Here's a question that I have for you. Okay. Can you drink coffee through a kazoo? Oh, no, you can't. You definitely can't. Welcome to the Crunch Ceiling Podcast that drinks coffee through a kazoo. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick, and I drank coffee through a kazoo. It looked painful. It was fine. The coffee was cold enough. You just made it. Oh, yeah. How cold is it up there? It's that cold. In the Great Lakes region. In the Great... Yeah, I mean, pretty much. It's <laughs> I don't know like where... We're it... like an hour... Well, we where I am right now is about an hour south of Erie, so... Hmm. And an hour north of Strange. <laughs> i'm so sorry i guess you could call pittsburgh that i don't even know what um, that was i i learned that if you wear less clothing in the winter mm-hmm. you can like lose weight faster is that true yeah because your body burns more calories to keep itself warm you can also huh. get really sick so you shouldn't do it extremely right but i, I was started, thinking I, that like the the skin gets scared of being out and just wants to it just wants to be smaller it wants, wants to be, to be smaller it. yes it yeah. wants to shrink away from the from the scary cold and so i i started wearing uh i started wearing fewer layers mm. because i want to be colder so that i can is that why you're in a t-shirt right now while you're rocking the yeah. t-shirt that's why I'm rocking it. Also, it's really great when we record. I'm really happy that we record in the afternoon because there's like a sunbeam that comes yeah. in and it makes me nice and cozy and I feel like a little kitty. I can fall asleep right here, you know? Yes. I always sense a yeah. lot of sleepy energy from your side of the podcast this time of day. Is that so? No. Oh, okay. But I, I mean, say. maybe. <laughs> the last time we recorded, I definitely had some high energy. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know what that was. I think it might have been because we were recording in the morning and at like 10. Here's the thing. 9 o'clock? To- yeah. 9 to nine to 11 is when I do, like, my best work. Right. So Why don't we record deep, then? Because that's my deep work hour. That's that, that's my deep work is this podcast that's when I get, not, like Is this not deep work to you? I mean, uh, it's not. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Deep work, the definition of deep work is something that it would take. You measure, you measure the depth of work based on how much time it would train someone to do it for you. Uh-huh. So, like entering numbers it into a us, spreadsheet it took us four years to do this podcast <laughs> as good as we do it today so i don't know what you're on about <laughs> this is the deepest work this you is have. the deepest work i do <laughs> i think i think you should dedicate more time to the crunch because don't tell me that you make more money at your youth ministry job than you make from this podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's a burn on the whole industry but I'm you're right so, I, I know i'm right i know i'm right i'm so sorry patreon.com slash patreon.com slash the crunch the crunch patreon.com slash the crunch patreon.com slash the crunch you can hear our review of soul oh yeah and my opinions on the loch ness monster wait was that in this no that was in an actual episode that was in a real episode um so uh how was your how's your week you doing okay yeah so far so good uh school started back up again i'm, I'm back I'm, I'm doing uh fundamental theology is the Ooh. class i'm taking and i'm Ooh. also taking sacraments advanced sacramentology i'm I'm getting all I'm getting all advanced in the sacramental theology today. Busy That's boy. what we're doing. Yep. And I'm really excited about it. We're gonna get we're gonna get real big brained on this on this podcast now. It's gonna be twice as big brain as last semester. Oh dear. 
I'm going to have yeah. to, you're going to have to send me a reading list of things that I'll have to read in order to keep up with you. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the reading is, uh, is handouts. And oh. so it's like, it's like church father's handouts. So oh. you can just get, I can just send those to you. That'd be great. I need to build my, my PDF archive. So there's like a, there's like a compendium of all the church father's writings in Latin that I see a lot of academics referencing in some of their books. And I just, it makes me wish I could read Latin so that I could have that set of books, you know? Yeah. You're, you're wasting your time studying theology when in reality you could just study Latin and then you would be able to know all of the theology. Like exactly. You're, you're skipping a step. Like you're paying people to yeah. know Latin when in reality you could just get Duolingo Latin and be good Honestly, to go. Honestly, first of all, Duolingo Latin is a joke. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Do you want to ask me about my week at all? How or? was your week? <laughs> um, I was hoping you would bring it up. Yeah. Do you remember what happened to me this weekend? I didn't. Yes, I do. I just didn't know if you wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Oh, well, I didn't want to bring it up and just be like, hey, whatever you're talking about. So, Ethan, about, how was your week? Uh, it was pretty good. I finished Witness to Hope. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wanted me to bring it up so you could make that joke. I did. I did yeah, want to do that. That's, that's yeah, that's cheating. That's I cheating. Know, okay. I know. Hey, Ethan, how was your week? What did you do? I got myself a finance. Wait, fiance. Hey, Dave Ramsey. Oh, fiance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I got engaged. Woo. Jamie, uh, play the play the play the engaged music. Bum bum ba bum 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 ba ba bum ba ba bum. I think that's the inauguration music. I don't know what that is, but and yeah. Tail to the chief. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't tail to the chief. I uh, I proposed to my girlfriend this weekend. We went down to a to a luau, and then I <laughs> while we were we up, flew. while we were we up flew dancing, ten hours to Hawaii. We flew ten hours to Hawaii while we were up in front of everybody. I we did a luau, and then all the dancers went away, and she turned around and boom, there I was on one knee, oh, one had knee. had a microphone. <laughs> In my hand, and everybody clapped, and it was great. I really appreciated your engagement because you could not get more not mine and Phoebe's engagement. It was than, we've, the, we've had the polar opposite engagement. It was now. the polar. First of all, completely alone. Yes, uh, we were at a pagan ritual, and you were in a Catholic <laughs> church. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in front of in front of very few people, and and uh, you're you're you didn't videotape it, and nope. it didn't get posted on Facebook. Yep, it was it was everything that we ever wanted uh all we did was go to a church and then pray for 30 minutes quote pray for 30 minutes i didn't really pray uh, you were like anxiously sweating for 30 minutes i was i was reading james chapter 4 over and over and over again because that's all i could focus on what's uh, james chapter 4 you better know it really really well uh friendship with the world is enmity with god therefore mm. whoever makes himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble lots of great lines in there yeah uh, really so i read that uh, so it was really good. We tried to pray. We both knew it was happening. I mean, I knew it was happening. She knew. Had know. an inkling. She had an inkling. Yeah. I was really, really sweaty. And <laughs> that's the other. I don't sweat when I'm nervous. So that's I, the other part. I was. Whoo! I was sweating. And it was empty. Church was empty. Nobody else was in there. Proposed. She said yes. We prayed, and then we went home. And we drank champagne. And we called our friends. And it was it was great. I really appreciated that. That was super nice. Like getting the getting a call from you and being like talking to you guys where we were on our way to a date. Yeah, Emma's so excited yeah. to hang out with Phoebe. Phoebe's so excited to hang out with Emma. Okay, Aww. cool. This is good. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad that we're talking about this now because I, it's very much like it's very much like oh I wonder if I wonder if we're, if we're gonna get along. I'm like yeah, you guys are obviously gonna, gonna get along. along. You're both way into plants. <laughs> <laughs> you both have great taste in men. <laughs> <laughs> um, does Phoebe listen to this podcast? Mm-mm. Okay. 
Not at all. Does Emma listen to this podcast? She does. Okay. So again, polar opposites. Yeah, polar opposite. There's no. One of the first things that her siblings asked us when we FaceTimed them was like, send us the video. And we were like, oh, there's there's no video. There's no video. And they're like, well, send us the picture. And we're like, I, there's actually no picture. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. It was great. I loved That's it. great. Because <laughs> it's honestly, everybody can do what they want to do. But my engagement is nobody else's business. You know, like, you, yeah, nobody deserves to. Nobody has a right to see the moment that I proposed to my girlfriend, you know? You're definitely right. I felt like mine had to be a production or I would regret it. Sure. And that's fine. Like, that's I your... would regret not making it a production, not yeah. regret engaging, proposing to Phoebe. <laughs> I would have I would have regret putting in a bunch of work and energy into something that I knew ultimately I just wanted to be private, you know? Yeah, definitely. Out of so. some, out of some like, false sense of obligation that, you know, like, oh, well, you have to do it because that's what, like, everybody hires a photographer to, yeah. like take pictures are you guys gonna do engagement photos well yeah something because something has to go on the save the dates you know so you're right and yeah it's not like we we have a 700 hundred dollar phone that we carry around in our pockets that we could do it ourselves we got to pay somebody <laughs> I, I understand i agree with that we should pay for somebody but i also think i think photography as an industry is a bit of a racket at this point yeah it's like it, it's it used like, to be uh, you just had one guy who would stand there and go gang, 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 and like, <laughs> everybody stands still for four hours and i'm gonna get your picture it's like okay pay that guy but i don't need someone with like high high-waisted jeans telling me where to stand you know, Paying a like, photographer is like still airing America's funniest home videos in the age of the internet. Like it doesn't make exactly, any sense. Exactly, right. I mean, we've got Apple keeps making phones that are better and better at taking pictures. Yeah. And so, but we're convinced no, that No, it's, it's definitely I as as someone who has a lot of friends who are in the wedding photography industry. Uh, it's definitely difficult to get a good picture. the the thing The thing about wedding photography is you really got to hire somebody who's good because you got to hire someone I who's mean, Catholic. You got to hire someone who's Catholic, um, or at least has shot a Catholic mass before. Because mm-hmm. it's like there there's a there's a big um, it's a big issue with like have ever been okay. This is the only thing I can this is the only thing I can think to refer it to, and it's okay. very it's a very stupid analogy. Have okay. you ever been to a therapist who's new? No. Okay. <laughs> It's not fun. Okay. It's not like it's here's the thing. It's not bad sure. because they know they know all the they stuff. know what they're talking about. Yeah. But they don't like something's not quite right. Mm. And that's what it's like having a having a photographer who has just used their iPhone, you know? Mm. It's like we all have we all have phones that can that are like incredible at taking pictures, but for some reason not everybody started a YouTube channel. You know, it's just cuz like while you can make a YouTube video just using your iPhone, why would you it's like it doesn't mean it's going to be good and it's just because free. you can take really fancy pictures with your iphone you still have to know how to use it you know true i agree with you uh i just think it's a scam and i'm i'm always gonna think <laughs> it's a scam can you give me number one and i guess everybody listening number one piece of advice for engagement because you're the only not the only person you're the only place or only person i do a podcast with that has been engaged mm-hmm. and married um Get married before the pandemic starts. Oh, missed that boat by a little oh, bit. Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, we dated for a month and a half and the pandemic started. So that would have been a, quite the turnaround. <laughs> Even oh, yeah, that's by, right. Like, I remember that conversation. I was like, I was talking to Phoebe. I was like, Ethan's girlfriend started her first job as a nurse and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yep. It's even by like our grandparents' standards of like, oh, I knew her cousin for three weeks and then we got engaged and then we were married a month later. Like we still wouldn't have made it by the time the the, the (laughs) pandemic started. I wouldn't even have made it. We wouldn't even have made it for the pandemic, even by old man standards. Exactly. 
even by 1930 standards, like, oh, I ran, I, I, I wheeled my, my hoop with my stick down the road, and I, I got down on one knee and took out a bouquet of roses and said, by golly, you're the bee's knees. Did they? I'm going to take you down to the sock hop, and we're going to tie the knot. I feel, like, I feel like you're taking like five different eras and combining it <laughs> yeah. into one era. Old-timey things you wanna, are you all the watch, same to me. You want to watch MTV when we're done? <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's, um, so you don't have any real advice? You just have joke yeah, advice? Yeah, I totally forgot to come up with real advice while I was riffing. Uh, talk a lot. Oh. It's not, it's not like, it's about communication. I mean, like, talk a lot in the sense that there's a lot of stuff that... Have you ever have you ever read like the Focus Quiz? Not the Fellowship of Catholic University students. The Focus with two C's. It's like thick focus. <laughs> There's a marriage assessment test called the Focus Quiz, oh, and, and it's you like can a, just it's, you can just do that. No, you have to like pay for you it. You have to pay somebody who's like trained in how to administer the test. That's such a weird thing. I know it's a BuzzFeed quiz. Anyway, so we didn't do it, but I've I've read some sample questions from it, and like one of the questions is like. Are you willing to raise your kids Catholic? Yes or no? Are you planning on going? Do you expect us to go to church together every Sunday? You know, stuff like that. And it's like people actually get married without having already had those conversations. Yeah. So there are a lot, but like, and like we can kind of laugh at that, but still, like, we all have blind spots when it comes to marriage preparation. Mm-hmm. And we all make a lot of assumptions before we get married and so like the good news for you guys is that you guys more than likely don't have any deal breakers because obviously not being willing to go to mass is a deal breaker so any of your blind spots are easy to talk about but it's easy to find out about them now instead of later so you're talking about things like i don't necessarily need to keep the vegetables in the crisper but she would like to keep them in the crisper in the gotcha which is that drawer in the refrigerator that does it really do anything different kenmore i don't think so i really don't think add so. that to the list of I, scams I of the modern american economy Phot- you know photography and the crisper drawer in my kenmore fridge you know what it does it's not clear so you know what it does it makes me forget that i have exactly in my refrigerator that's what it does this might as well be a trash can <laughs> in in my refrigerator <laughs> Because that's where all those vegetables end up, Kenmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about stuff that's like you got to talk about that stuff. You know, you got to oh, talk about the. Yeah, I know um, what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah um, I know what you're talking about. Who's gonna scrape the snow off of the car in the morning? Wait, really? Obviously. Yeah, you got to talk about that. All right. Plot twist. It, it, or, spoiler alert: It's you. You have to. Scrape the it is me. Off. Right. No, I, I I understand that. Who who has to nurse the child? You know, I volunteered, yeah, but I got shot down. Like these, it's these kind of things. <laughs> I, vo- you... I volunteered, but it turns out that I don't have the equipment for such <laughs> such endeavors. And, and, and Kenmore is refusing to supply me with anything that will help. <laughs> Kenmore Kenmore only cares about my vegetables being crispy and then moldy and then gone. That's all Kenmore cares about. Hey everyone, just jumping in real quick here to let you know about Seek 2021. Obviously, as a focus missionary, I have a vested interest in Seek going well, uh, but I also just personally believe that it's a really great thing for y'all to get involved in. They have asked us to make a podcast for the Seek 21 conference. Now, as you know, Seek is normally a big, big deal. Uh, they were going to have it in St. Louis this past winter, uh, but you know, changes had to be made and we all understand that. So they're, they're doing the best that they can. And it looks like it's going to be 
the best digital Catholic conference that you can go to this year. I mean, we all know how I feel about digital conferences, all right? I really genuinely think this is going to be worth your time. You go to seek.focus.org. It's like $50 registration. It could be $60 at this point. I think they've spiked the price, $10. Uh, But you just sign right up, uh, and you get to hear not only our podcast— but speakers like Bishop Barron, speakers like Father Mike Schmitz, speakers like Sister Bethany Madonna, other Catholic podcasts that are not going to be named in this ad spot. Um, but we really want you to sign up for Seek 21. We're having a, an exclusive Seek podcast that you'll only be able to hear if you sign up for Seek 21 with Focus. Uh, it's February 4th through the 7th. You're not going to want to miss out on it. I really hope that you can make it. I think it'll be really great for you. Sign up. Seek.focus.org seek.focus.org that's seek 21 the crunch check it out and that's the advice that patrick gave me yep <laughs> behind closed doors behind closed doors it's not gonna between go men. between real between friends all right kazumi into doctor e, or not into a uh, hot take time machine There are people that work in this building. I should probably you stop. You really, that. it's a church. It's people are trying to pray, Patrick. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we look back at the times we've used the kazoo in the past. The old kazoo. You know where when they called, when they called get, getting the news out there, getting on the horn, you know? And yeah, on would, the horn. On the horn. <laughs> now, when we were back in the day, we were on the kazoo and we would tweet, Patrick. Give me a tweet from the old days when you're on that kazoo. Oh, this is actually this is actually a perfect uh, perfect segue into this. So uh, I I remember exactly where I was when I posted this on Facebook on in December of 2015. I was in the J C Williams Center, the Jesus Christ Williams Center, uh, in, uh, in at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Okay, and um, I've been there. I posted. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the Lululemon Lounge. <laughs> uh, Dear people who whistle loudly in public. How good are you at whistling that you think people will enjoy being forced to listen to you? Love, Patrick. Ouch. Yeah. We're still kind of in the phase of instead of going and talking to people, you tweeted about it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get over that? No. Oh, no. This is still something that I believe and and fully support. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not just jealous that I can't whistle. I am very good at whistling. Okay. Prove it. I would never because that's whistling in public and I don't like it. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you can't whistle. What do you want me to whistle? Name a tune, okay? Uh, uh, the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> oh, missed that note a little bit there. That high note always <laughs> gets you. Everyone starts Everyone starts high. Oh, say can you see? Isn't it crazy how girls get to sing in a falsetto all the time? It's ridiculous. It's so annoying. Did you did you watch the inauguration? I did not watch the inauguration. Uh, I watched the inauguration, and after the like Lady Gaga sang the national anthem, okay. and then I think J Lo came out and sang uh, "This Land Is Your Land." You know that campy song from uh, from elementary school that mm-hmm. you would sing at like the 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 Labor Day or Memorial Day <laughs> parade or whatever. Yeah. This land is your land. This land is my land. Yeah, an actual professional singer sang that song, and they did it the way that every professional singer sings uh, patriotic songs. Sexy, with way, with (laughs) way, like way, like do less, please. Uh Like this land 
is your land. This land is my land. And they're singing you, with a professional orchestra that's like... I wish you guys could see like... how much Patrick was gyrating when he was doing that. <laughs> it was like... Oh, this oh dear. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! Turn off the... Turn off this the land is oh, yours. Shut, shut it down. I turned off the camera. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh goodness, Patrick, I'm engaged now. You can't do that kind of stuff. (laughs) You're a youth minister. You can get (laughs) youth. We're not going to get an imprimatur that way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're not going to get a censor laborum. Yeah. And so she's saying, "This land is your land." And what's what's worse, it was with like the professional uh, Marines orchestra, and so it was. I'm sure even harder for them to keep because you can't improvise a band, you know, no. you can't like improvise 50 instruments. So that was ridiculous. Anyway, what were we talking you were, about? You remember when elementary school, when the veterans would come and they'd just be these crusty old dudes and be like, yeah, I was in, it was in the Japanese theater of world war two. And we'd be like, when's lunch? <laughs> <laughs> like, Honestly, I'm glad that they did that because it's you know you gotta gotta give an opportunity for the grandpas to see their their kids and see the America that they fought for. But do you really think that they were super jazzed seeing like the giant otter painted on the gym? Be like, I fought <laughs> I fought in a war for this. <laughs> this is I the education these kids are getting. Choose the parts of the country that you fight for, but <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> what if what if you did get to pick? <laughs> It's like I'm I get fighting. my Twitter taken down because the military decided not to fight for my freedom of speech. I'm fight. I'm going to go to the war. I'm going to go to Army, and I'm going to fight for the McDonald's on Harvard and 11th in Tulsa because that's the part of America I want to keep. <laughs> Everybody gets to pick one. <laughs> the, 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 the fascists take over, but there's like a demilitarized zone at the McDonald's well, that you fought for. And it's just me shirtless waving the American flag on the top of the McDonald's. <laughs> Sanctuary! <laughs> throwing cheeseburgers <laughs> over the wall the, the, the berlin wall that you've constructed around yourself this is biden's america people this is what you this voted is, for this is the future the liberals want <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we talking about <laughs> all right kazumi into the topic hey thank you for listening to this episode of the crunch Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Um, do the do like the Zelda. I never played Zelda. Uh, never mind. Do something else then. Okay. Let's that's cop that's copyright. We can't do that. Yeah, I got my I got my I got copyright claimed on my video, Father I, Father I Alden, on my YouTube video, because uh, I thought I thought when I first saw the claim, I thought that he, he claimed. I thought like someone from his YouTube channel claimed it because that's something that happens sometimes to commentary videos. They get claimed by the uh-huh. person who's being commented on. Uh, but no, it was automatically claimed by Sony because he used Sony copyrighted music. So like all 1.5 million views, he's not seeing a penny of that yikes it's demonetized completely demonetized yeah well uh, he really really shows he's in it for the people though yeah no it really does yeah i mean yeah father james all right um that's still the best joke you've made on the podcast maybe not the best but it's one i remember wait i made that joke you said father you said more like father james alt right and that's really funny it was really funny did you use that in your video 
No, 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 no. Phoebe got upset with me, rightly so, because I made fun of him too much. Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. He's a priest yeah, of well, God. I didn't. I didn't make fun of him too much in my in my estimate. I don't think you would think that I made fun of him that much. Um, he kept bringing up Father James Martin at the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. And I insinuated slash said twice that um, he keeps bringing it up. It sounds like he's just mad he wasn't invited. <laughs> And Phoebe was like, that That kind of undermines the point you're trying to make. And I'm like, well, it doesn't undermine it, but it certainly distracts from it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's funny. He also put a picture of Father James Martin next to a wolf, which I just thought was really funny because uh, out of context, this just makes Father James Martin look, look really Look cool. like a badass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> look at this. That's exactly how I put it. <laughs> look but at yeah. this cool wolf priest. <laughs> He's a cool wolf priest. Yeah. He also used the word sheeple. Oh, dear. Father Father Altman did, and I was like, I don't know how to feel about that. But also, if being a sheeple is bad, then Father Martin should be a wolf. There's a lot. You he's, know? he's mixing his metaphors. Exactly. Is, is I didn't I'm appreciate getting. that. I'm yeah. not a mixologist. All right. Here comes the topic. Everybody knows what ecumenism is, right, Patrick? I feel like most people do. I feel like a lot of people actually don't. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think a lot of people will say, "What is ecumenism?" and they'll they'll answer with a definition of what's actually interfaith dialogue you know oh interesting okay yeah, yeah i get what you're saying so there's this idea of like the the catholic church in the modern world has to interact with other religions and because we're interacting with other religions that means protestants that means jewish people that means muslims that means wiccans that means everybody ecumenism is very strictly just among other people who share belief in jesus christ being the son of god like and mm, mm-hmm. that's there's there's no ecumenism with people who are not Christians. Um, and I was I was thinking about this. This is all stemming from kind of my reading of of Witness to Hope, uh, which I finished 886 pages in the past. This I think that's the biggest book I've ever read. It was that's really good. I know we kind of brushed over it because we wanted to get to that whole fi- finance thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a really great. That's a really big deal. Yeah, it, it's it, I think it might be in my top five favorite books of all time just because of how much wow. of a of an impact it's had on on me and how much his life is is just so i hesitate to use the word inspiring because it sounds contrived but it really is like if anybody led an an inspiring life it was it was this guy um but kind of his big push before the year 2000 was he wanted to unite um eastern and western christianity so he wanted to bring the orthodox back into full communion with the church and that was his big big push but there were just so many like political dramas and religious dramas and interpersonal dramas that made it impossible for for him to ever see that happen which was i think one of the saddest things of his of his pontificate Mm -hmm. is that he was never actually able to bring that to fruition before he died um because he just wanted it so badly and he had if and it kind of is 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 discouraging because it's like i want to work for christian unity but like if jp2 couldn't do it you know (laughs) Who could? Well, can I can I can I say something to that real quick? Sure. I don't think I think he may have been mistaken partially. Oh no. Uh because I've been thinking about this recently and there's a Tell lot of me. calls when it comes to unity. There's a lot of calls for unity between political parties. Yeah. And a lot of people that I've listened to have been saying now that Biden's in office, he has to do he has some work to do cuz he has to help unify the country. You know, and like only he and, and Donald Trump can unify the country. Like if they if they call to unify the country, then the country will unify. I'm like, absolutely not. That's not how it works because P- 
people can drop politicians like that if 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 like if it doesn't if they if a politician stops fitting with your ideology mm-hmm. they're all of a sudden marked as an enemy right and so unity is cultural unity is a cultural change yeah and it can only come from the bottom up you can't legislate a culture <laughs> you can't top down change a culture you know and so i think maybe john paul ii didn't unify the catholic church in his lifetime unify the catholic and the and the orthodox churches in his lifetime but he certainly may have opened up a bridge where the patriarchs and the pope can at least have a dialogue right can at least talk to each other and i think their unification can signify it can be a symbol of unity for people on the local level but it's like it's like that can um it's kind of like when you're uh when you're zipping up a jacket oh you know you can't zip it until you hook that thing. Yeah, you know, is, and like once that's called, hooked, you can start to. What is that? Is there is the tip of the zipper? Does it have a different name, or is it just the tip of the zipper? I think it's just the tipper. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're the exactly you're exactly right. John Paul II's uh, whole philosophy in first firstly combating um, communism in Eastern Europe, and throughout the 80s was all about culture first that was his whole Mm -hmm. his whole game was we're only going to restore um human rights and human dignity in these communist countries if we have a a culture first approach right he wasn't trying to come in and knock down governments and just replace them with other governments right he wanted people to the, the whole solidarity movement in poland um that was organized with with labor unions and 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 uh, worker strikes and all of these things because he came and preached about the history of Poland and the culture of Poland and the inheritance that the Polish people had from thousands of years, not thousands, but a thousand years of existing as a nation. Um, the, the, the poetry and the religion and the, 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 the popular piety and the, all the, the arts, all the things that they, that they had, um, he he. When he went on his pilgrimages, he reminded those people of those things, and that was his his number one goal. Which is why people say that his 1979 pilgrimage to Poland was the thing that started the collapse of communism in in Europe. Um, was because that was his constant theme that he was always talking about, and it worked, right? It worked in Poland, and it ended up working in all these other countries as well. And then he had the, a similar approach. He just wasn't as vigorous after communism fell, but then there was the rise of. Uh, postmodernism the 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 secularism the the relativism all of these things that start rising up out of the the ashes of the cold war like that that we are experiencing now and he tried to do the same thing but i just don't think he was he was young enough or had enough energy to like do the same thing again um <laughs> yeah. because he had you know lots of other things to to deal with and so but he saw very clearly that there was a a cultural problem um and that the lack of unity amongst Christians was doing way more harm than it was doing good. Uh, And so I think the first opinion that we need to have as Christians is that plurality is not something that we value as, as Christians like diversity is good and there is legitimate diversity, but we don't, it's not actually a good positive thing that we have lots of denominations. And I doubt that there's lots of people listening to this podcast that think denominations are good or that Protestantism and Orthodoxy are good, but I think we need to be more aware and like less uh, kind of 
passive about those things because it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, it's so good because we get to worship in the way we want and you guys get to worship in the way you want. And it's easy when you're out there in public talking to your friends to say like, oh, yeah, totally. Like we need to yeah. we need to not have that uh, opinion anymore. I think I think it's I think it's interesting because it, it's it's a. Uh, it's definitely. I don't know if it's a liberal ideal or an American ideal specifically that diversity of thought is necessarily a good thing. And by that, I mean diversity of opinions are seen as an inherent good. Yeah. As in like, well, yeah, it's great. It's great to like, it's great that like, oh, you have your, you have your truth and you have my, I have my truth or even something different than that, like a different level. Like you have your opinions and I have my opinions. And that's good. Mm-hmm. And we should, we should talk and then we can even walk away disagreeing, but we'll both, we'll both have a better understanding of the way other people think about mm-hmm. things. We can't and, all be the same. That would be crazy. That would be ridiculous. And it's like, and as if those are the, as if those are the two options, right? Like right. we're all different or we're all the same. And if we're all the same, then it's really boring. But then if we're all different, then, you know, it's going to be good. It, there, there are certain things that are true and mm. nothing works. Like no, no science in the idea. And, and I use that word meaning like no way of knowing things would work if someone said, well, you can have your opinion mm. and I can have mine and you can have your approach to this and I can have my approach to this. Let's, let's compare the way Christians worship God to the scientific method. The way of going about knowledge of God, right? Worship is a way of knowing God and, uh, and compare it to the way of going about knowing natural things. <clears throat> now, the scientific method is much, is much uh, new, younger than the mass, but let's imagine for a second that someone who's you know coming in new to the new to the scientific scene is like you know what i don't actually think that you need to uh have create an experiment that is both uh repeatable and you i don't think you need to do that i don't think you need to create a repeatable experiment i think that you should just be able to create a one-time experiment that no one else can create and then you just got to trust me mm. right like that's not a way to do science and you can't say to that person, you can say to that person, you are not doing science. And so conversely, and so similarly, if someone says, this is the way that I worship God, but there's something essential missing from their worship, you can say you are not worshiping God perfectly. You may be right in some things, right? Like someone can accidentally come to a correct conclusion in the scientific, with an unscientific method, but you're not worshiping perfectly. You're not doing science perfectly and so i think there is there is a there is something that is uncomfortable about that like if you said that to a protestant friend like hey you and i think differently about this but i think our opinions differ so much that one of us is right and one of us is wrong and we should talk about that the example that you're talking about with the science is making me think like if i went to the eye doctor and the doctor came in and he got out all all of the dentistry tools and <laughs> was going to start and he had just the he thought that the eye was a tooth and he knew how to take care of a tooth he was a great dentist but he was about to do it all to my eye i'd be like you know what actually that's i would say please don't practice this medicine on me like please <laughs> please keep your your drills and your bits away from me um cuz it's it's the proper method applied to the uh-huh. wrong the wrong subject and so all this to say, right? So like we are in a, a moment, not a moment. I hate that word. 
we are in times such as these in, in times such as these, when so, you're buying a toyota so, in times such as these come on down to toyotathon the cars are the same price even though nobody has a job right now toyota <laughs> toyota virus <laughs> did you get the tacoma virus <laughs> i did not um we Corolla virus. Corolla virus. That that's that that's yeah. better. Thank you. Good job. You're welcome. Everybody, Thanks. we can go home. Yay. <laughs> uh the the heart of a society is its culture, right? JP2 proved this. Um uh, that economics and politics are not the driving force of history. It's mm-hmm. it's culture that's the driving force of history. Uh and that and if and if anybody argues with that, you can literally just point to anything. And that's, and that will make a, like, let's, let's look at the American revolution, you know, by all accounts, the politics and the economics of Britain were more powerful, quote unquote, than the American, uh, uh, resources, even if they were supported by the France and whatever else, right? Like the, there was a culture in America that, that, that led the revolution to be successful, Mm. whether or not it should have happened. Does God recognize America as a, as a nation? Because it's a legitimate power as a legitimate power. Probably not. But well, probably because it exists. It but. <laughs> exists. But like, is it do we have divine right of kings here in America? No. No. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but the heart of heart of culture is cult, uh, which, as we know, is just another way to say religion. Right. And if culture is at the center of all this stuff, the, the, the storming of the Capitol, all the politics, things, the liberalism, the post liberalism, everything that we've been talking about. Um, we, we need to have one religion that's driving the restoration of our culture. Uh, I would hope that everybody would agree that that religion should be Christian, Christian religion. <laughs> like we, I don't, I don't think we should select, like we've, we see the nations that are driven by the Muslim religion. We see the cultures that are driven by Islam. This is not an Islamophobic thing. I think we can just look at the numbers and look at the, the the statistics and the facts about ways that women are treated and the ways that children are treated and um, even just the idea of like freedom and economic freedom and religious freedom in those countries. It's like it's it's not good compared to mm-hmm. a Christian nation. Um, not a lot of Jewish nation nations out there. Just the one. Uh, just the one. And yeah. I can't can't pretend to know what's going on in there. Um, so we should all hopefully agree the Ju- that the Jewish religion doesn't allow for a multiplicity of Jewish nations. Exactly. I think it's just, it's not inherent in the, in, in the, right. and the, and the other world religions are not structured for a polity, mm-hmm. right? Like there's mm-hmm. no, there's no real structure for in Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism. If you want to go, even if you want to include Jainism, there's no real structure for polity, which means like there's no foundation for political life, but there right. is, a, there is a structure of political life in Christianity, which is why exactly. Catholicism was able to take over when Rome fell. Exactly. It provided a basis for human th- flourishing. I think we can look now and look at the landscape of America at least and say, okay, culture is collapsing. We don't have anything real that's tying us together anymore. There's no sense of real American patriotism. There's no sense of real civic duty. Um, because everybody can just get what they need via technology. Like technology has supplanted culture in a lot of ways. Um, and the, the most culture that we have is the newest Marvel movie or the newest star Wars 
Mandalorian season. Listen, Endgame was awesome. I rewatched it and it still pulls the same heartstrings. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But like, that's it. You know, like that's that was the biggest cultural <laughs> event of the decade. And it's like, well, that's that's certainly not very exciting. That's our Iliad. Oh, gosh. <laughs> One day we'll be, we'll be telling our kids uh, the about the, the story of Thanos. Um, and so... We don't have a culture that's gonna that's gonna prop itself up because we don't have a religion that's gonna prop itself up because America was founded on Protestantism, which by its nature dissolves and disintegrates into more and more different denominations and pods and splinter cells and all these things. So my contention here, with all this being said, none of this is like new, but I think Catholics need to understand that Protestants are not going to be the initiators in trying to strive for Christian unity. They're just yes. not. There's there's no. nothing inherent in Protestantism that will make Christians who subscribe to Presbyterianism or more, uh, not Mormonism, but uh, Methodists or Baptists. Like there, there's nothing inherent in those religions, in those, in those, I guess, uh, religion, those, those doctrines and their dogmas that make them desire to be reunited with all Christians. Uh, whereas we have that. Uh, many, many believe that they are just inherently united already to other christian right dog doctrines and de- denominations just by virtue of their shared faith in christ and and we are that's partially true. true yes yeah. we are we are united by the thing that unites us the most which is jesus like jesus is mm-hmm. the one that gives unity not um and this is this is the hard part about but it's a spiritual right? unity that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't necessitate well okay so but the spiritual unity necessitates a visible physical unity as well in the yes. same way that the body both needs a soul and a body. The human person needs a body to <laughs> yeah. function, right? Like yeah. we talk about how we're the body of Christ, but bodies are physical, you mm-hmm. know, like, and so, and so there, there are some, there are some inherent problems with the Protestant view of the body of Christ because it's missing the body aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with a little bit of like, th- okay, so this is, this is something called fundamental theology and it's something oh. that I'm learning right now. And it's the, Great. it's what it's the, it's the official word for what we know as apologetics. Okay. And the popular, the popular word for apologetics denotes some kind of like conflict, like a challenger is approaching and you have to respond to the challenge. Whereas apologetics in the classical view of apologetics is just like the soil in which the seed of the gospel can be planted. Mm-hmm. And so it, it prepares the land, right? So it's, it, it, it describes why God can exist, why Christ is God and the Catholic church is the church that he instituted. Mm-hmm. And so just like a good, a good presentation of those three truths will prepare the human heart. One that's willing to hear those things will prepare the human heart for the gift of faith mm-hmm. because those things can be, those things can be described as reasonable but they can't be believed without faith. Yeah. You can say it would make sense that Jesus is God because he said so when he raised from the dead, right? It makes sense that the Catholic Church is the church Christ instituted because it's the only church that stretches back that long and it's stretched back that long. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. It hasn't died. Yeah, so you can say that's pretty and they're like the they're the Catholics have Padre Pio and the Protestants have C.S. Lewis, right? Those are those two people are on different planes of holiness, right? Like C.S. Lewis was holy, but he wasn't like flying and having holes in his hands. You know what I'm saying? Like Padre Pio was like so holy, there's two of them, you know, like he's high located. Like the holiness of the Catholic Church is also like a miraculous, despite all of its sinfulness, right? Like we're mm. our own worst enemy. Despite all of that, it's still miraculously holy. And so like those things, like, okay, reasonably speaking, 
that that makes sense. That makes sense to my intellect. It doesn't start necessarily from faith. It can it can start from saying that the Catholic faith is reasonable, mm-hmm. and then God comes in and plants the seed of faith. So that's what's needed. We need yes. to understand fundamental theology. Of course, yes. We we always happen to need to understand the thing that Patrick's learning about right now. How dare you? <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and yet I am right. I know. I know. <laughs> don't break an arm. Pat yourself on the back. Uh, Too late. It's already off. Okay. I have a spare third arm just for patting myself on the back. So, and we can't we can't see this like exactly what Patrick talks about. Like we need to prepare people's hearts for faith in divine revelation, for faith in the truth of what God has revealed. We can't just like sit down with the Baptists. And be like, all right, we'll we'll say this about justification if you say this about the apostolic authority, and we'll say this about <laughs> you know scripture yeah. if you say this about what like it's not. A, we'll take this part of Germany, and yeah. you can take this part of Germany. This will go perfect. Um, it's not. We're not. I'm not advocating for a legal negotiation between yeah. uh, different denominations. What I think needs to happen is we have to, as Catholics, need to understand like okay. There's something missing. The lack of Christian unity is a scandal to Christians and non-Christians. And it makes it harder to evangelize in a world that just like in a world that John Paul II couldn't even evangelize, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's harder now than it was then because of um, all the things that happened after the cold war, all of the philosophical movements and all of the technology and everything that's been set in motion that we always talk about for the past 30 years, 30 or 40 years. Um, it's harder now because uh, we're, we're in a new evangelization, all these other things. We were trying to re-evangelize the baptized. We're no longer evangelizing pagans. Like it's, it's yeah, different well. and, and it's, it's nigh impossible for Christians to be dis disunited from each other and still have the same success that the church had in, in the, from 1000, you know, 80 to, to 1500 yeah. AD, you know, like we're not going to, we're not going to see that again unless we put the work in and like, like this might mean like when I, when I'm done being a focused missionary and my main mission is no longer the students on this campus, this might mean I need to dedicate a significant amount of my time to going and meeting with pastors of my local Protestant churches and having conversations with them and learning from them. From a non-official Catholic. From non, from just an Ethan. I'm just, I'm just a guy. Can I come to your just Bible Ethan. study? I'm a, I'm Catholic, you know, and, and like, let's have some conversations. Mm-hmm. And, and unless we have a, a widespread movement of that happening, we're, we're going to be stuck and, and, and it's, we're, we're going to be stagnant. We're not going to go anywhere. And that's my biggest fear is like, I think Christians need to kind of wake up a little bit and recognize we're, yeah we're not going to go where we want to go. We're not going to have the effect on the culture that we want to have just by going to the March for life every year. You know, like we actually need to put in some real work. And that's why I started out with this definition of ecumenism. Cause I think we need to learn what it is, recognize that it's hard work and it's going to take a lot of time, but that it's worth it ultimately. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I, I don't have many more developed thoughts than this. I just think it's important. I'm trying to do it on my campus as much as I can. Mm-hmm. We walked around and talked to the university chaplain yesterday. Um, he he refers to the Catholicism as the Roman tradition, which is a really clever way of pretending like we're all a part of the same church. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. What what do you think, Patrick? I've got thoughts, I mean, but I need to stop thing. talking. Like if you want if you want to call yourself like the German tradition and you want to you want to have your own right of the mass, 
we can talk about that. Yes. But it needs to be a mass. Yeah. Like that's the reality. It's like it, it's we we did it for the Anglicans, you know. It's a schismatic church that's coming back, right? Like we can we can do that, mm-hmm. you know. But first of all, you have to you have to understand and recognize that um, you don't have a tr- you have a very bare bones tradition because you've exercised all of this other exorcised, not exercised, just so people. Yeah, exercise. No, no, which, no, which yeah, word all of you're this saying. other tradition yeah. out. Like you've just gotten rid of it. You yeah. Know? Uh, I think exercise with an e still works for like getting stuff out of things. I think really? it might. I thought exercise was when I'm when I hurt. <laughs> I thought exercise was when I have the sad times. I thought exercise was when yesterday I went out into my garage and used our bench press and then did some Russian twists and some lunges and then I threw up on the side of my garage. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Wow. What a day, huh? <laughs> that's impressive. That's that's uh you gotta you gotta learn how to pace yourself or at least not eat before you exercise. I didn't eat before I exercised. I just I always throw up when I work out. There's some people like really? me out there. Yeah. Like no matter uh, what, no matter how in shape I am, I'm throwing up. That sucks. It does suck. Well it's like once it's over, it's over, but for the two minutes before you're going sitting there going, <sighs> <sighs> and you just you want to get it <laughs> you over. You can with. never go to the gym. Yeah. You'll throw up at the gym. I mean, there's trash cans. That's fair. I but, use those. I mean, there's also a pandemic. Oh. People won't appreciate you throwing up at the gym. That's true. Um. So, yeah, after... So, okay, so from a personal note, oh, I spent a lot of time in high school at a Protestant church. And part of it was because I was dating someone that hey. went there. But I used to go to that church without Sarah all the time. Mm-hmm. I would go and I'd hang out with her pastor... And I talked to, I met, I met six ex-Catholics at that church. Wow. And one of them was like, Hey, I still pray the rosary. And I'm like, that's awesome. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you pray it better, you'll come back. As long as you keep praying it, you'll come back to the Catholic church. That's just how Mary works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lasso. It's like, okay. <clears throat> so it was, it was a great time. Like, that's the thing is like, I never would have met the people, the people that, are would be open to returning to the Catholic Church are at Protestant churches. Yes. That's the thing. Is like they're not it's it's harder to find them not at it's like really easy to find them at Protestant churches. I, and I was thinking about doing this is like starting a ministry that just goes to Protestant churches and just becomes part of their congregation and just like meets people and converts them. Like I think that'd be awesome. It's a little deceptive. Um, it's a little deceptive, but like not really. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is like if you called up a local pastor and said, "Hey, can I come to your Bible study?" I'm a Catholic. They'd probably be like, yeah, sure. They're trying to convert you. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. it's not a big deal. You know, it's like, it's, 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 it, there's, 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 we know there's ulterior, it's not ulterior motive. It's just like, I, I, I care for you and I believe what, I believe this is what's best for you. Yeah. You know, it's like, they're, you're coming from a good faith place. Anyway, I, I don't think you could have like a formal ministry where you like advertise it in the bulletin, but, no. You know, you could just do it. You know, you just go and do it. Um, Not everything needs to be a formal ministry. I think we everything needs this. to be a formal ministry. I will write <laughs> books about it. Ascension Press will give me a podcast, and then I will not be able to do it anymore because I'm too public. You'll make enough money, and then you'll you'll get on the speaker circuit, and then you'll stop doing your ministry because you make ten thousand dollars a month just doing one speaking gig, and then yes. you can retire. That's the dream. That's the dream, baby. That's the dream, baby. So uh, that's not the dream. Um, we. When after after Sarah and I broke up, Ooh. it was a very 
like it was because of her Protestantism and my Catholicism. And so it's a, it's a divide that I felt very deeply when I was in high school. And I was on the way, I was on the plane back to Franciscan from that, um, that weekend. And I was reading Let the Fire Fall by Father Michael Scanlon. And he was talking mm-hmm. about the divide between Protestants and Catholics. And he said something um, that, that I stuck will never with me. Forget. He said something I will never forget. Like that's how you that's how you tee up a good knockout punch, you know. Uh-huh. He in there he talked about how Catholics need to be humble enough to take responsibility for the Protestant Reformation, and it's like that's a really tough thing to hear because we want to be right really bad, and it's you're right, it's not my fault that Martin Luther left, but could things have been done that stopped that from happening? Absolutely, absolutely. It's just like how uh, the whole all of this everything that we're in right now. Uh, from literally like I think there's a case to be made for a lot of the atrocities that have happened throughout human history at least in the last 2,000 years are because Christians didn't didn't stand up when they could have stood up absolutely uh, Nazism the French Revolution uh, the Protestant Reformation the the bad Crusades <laughs> the bad ones the bad ones like and I'm sure there's lots of more than any anywhere where there's been genocide, anywhere where there's been unjust war. Did you know there were crusades within Europe? Yeah. Yeah, there were. There was a crusade against an Italian noble, Pope Clement IV called it, and him and Louis IX went on a crusade against this Italian noble because he was oppressing his people, and they unseated him, and they replaced him with a better, more Christian lord, and they restored peace to that area so the crusades actually weren't just about the muslims but most of the crusades were i don't know actually most but the uh the motif of the crusades were and people i was thinking about this the other day people don't realize that there were christians in the areas that people were crusading to and they Mm -hmm. were calling for help uh yeah yeah there's lots of things but we just need world war ii was worse than the crusades that's all i'm gonna say world war ii was really bad crusades are eh, compared to world war ii Let's. We just need to make sure that Catholics understand that we're coming from a position of strength. We're coming from a position of power. We are. We have the all of the credibility and all of the truth. And so, when we're having these conversations, understanding that like it can be seen as us coming down on people, which is mm-hmm. why a lot of trad trad guys online don't really get the success that they're looking for, is because nobody really wants to listen to you if they feel like you're talking down to them. And so. Which is why we don't have that many listeners. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, and, that, and that goes along with the whole, like, we need to understand that we've had the most power, at least until recently. And that means that we have the most responsibility to, like, do something with the tradition that's been handed down to us. Remember the words of Uncle Ben. <laughs> oh. With great power, yeah. I thought you meant great rice that cooks in under Not the rice guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all. That's I just wanted to unload that a little bit. Good that's great. I think I think that's really solid, and I think right. uh, I think more crunch listeners should um, go join a Protestant church and Absolutely. then convert from within. Bang! Uh, do you got a quick Doctor Ethan's dating corner? Oh boy, do I have a Doctor Ethan's dating corner? Let me add it. Uh, I know it hurts. I'm sorry. It's it's not, I, 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 I... All right, you came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby.
let's let's see this. Okay, dear Dr. Ethan and Professor Patrick, uh, for the purpose of this question, you call me Delilah. I'm in my late 20s, a woman, and the examples I'm about to share are young professional adults between 24 and 29, uh, way too old to be dating for any reason. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Way too old to be dating for any reason other than discerning marriage. Women get a bad rap for idolizing marriage and jumping into relationships because it feels good to have someone around. I've recently found men in Catholic circles are just as guilty of this time-wasting dating faux pas. Many of my single female friends detest the Catholic dating scene because there are too few good Catholic guys who do exist, quote-unquote. They don't seem prayerful. They don't seem to prayerfully discern whether they're ready for marriage before pursuing a woman. They're simply insecure and they are single and they think a relationship with a woman will make all their sins, shortcomings, and addictions magically disappear. A friend of mine, Judith, started dating a very suave man she met at her parish. Months into their relationship, she found out he had a pornography and masturbation addiction, no accountability software, and was still looking at pornography regularly. He ended up hurting her severely. This could have been avoided if he had sought help and healed from his addiction. Another friend, Jezebel, was in a relationship with a devout Catholic but unemployed man who had no way of providing for himself or a family. He ended the relationship after nearly a year claiming he didn't have feelings anymore, but after the breakup, it was evident he was just using her as an emotional dumping ground because of his low self-esteem and employment status. This could have been avoided if he had been responsible and gotten a job before pursuing her. Another friend of mine, Ruth, was in a relationship with a Catholic man she met through mutual friends. At the beginning of their relationship, he said he was willing to be open to life practice NFP, etc., and then changed his mind months into their relationship and decided he didn't want to have children at all. This isn't a decision you magically make overnight. I think he was telling her what she wanted to hear, etc. Um, fine, just say it to her face. You know, don't waste, don't waste your time. I have not been in a committed relationship since my reversion three years ago, and I have a deep fear that if I ever start dating someone again, I'm going to be hurt like they have been hurt. How can I pain-proof my next relationship before getting too emotionally invested? What questions can I ask a man on a first date to find out whether he is prayerfully discerned that he is ready for marriage? Delilah. Let's just let's start out and make sure that we put the third guy in a different category than the other two guys. Because just lying about the fact that you want to use NFP and are open to life and then revealing the fact that you are lying is different than just being a Catholic guy who kind of sucks. You know? Yeah. Um, I would put the second guy in a different category. I think I think hiding and refusing to uh, adjust, refusing to get help and stop your pornography or masturbation habit is were is like also bad. I thought that was the first guy. That is the first guy. First guy. I want to take first... the second guy and put him in a different. I want to put them both in that bad category and then put the guy with that's unemployed and just can't provide for a family. It's just like that guy who's down in his luck and just shouldn't really be dating right now. Yeah. So uh, let's yeah. let's let's be let's be fair, right? We're gonna dump on these guys, uh, but also, can I ask a question to the woman who dated an unemployed man for a year and didn't see any changes and expected him to just pick himself up and start living? Like, I mean, at a certain point, I feel like if you're if you are wanting to date for marriage, you have to be having those conversations. And if after three months. There's no sense that this guy's like going anywhere. It's like, why date him for another nine months? Nine more months? Like, yeah, that's a long time. That's kind of crazy to me. You know? I mean, that's just a that's just a fear of singleness. Right. Like that just what that that and just I, seems like I think a fear that, of like, well, I've already put so it's the sunk yeah, cost fallacy. Uh-huh. I put uh-huh. so much time into this relationship, I can't just end it. You right. know? So so yes, obviously that guy was doing the wrong thing. Um, but yeah. I I think our our the qualities that we look for in people that we want to date should go further beyond this person is fun to be around and they're super Catholic. I think it should also be, can they provide for me and my family? Are they put Mm -hmm. together? Are they virtuous? Are they ready to enter into the workforce and do difficult things for the sake of, of 
themselves and for my family. Like, cause if, and I feel like you can find those things out about a person pretty quick. Like it, it shouldn't take a year to figure that out, you know? Um, so I just wonder why that relationship lasted a year, but we can also yeah. say, say whatever. I think, um, there's a contingent within focus of women who are, who are facing a similar problem, who just ask guys on the first date, whether or not they're addicted to porn, <laughs> which, which I think is powerful. That's, <laughs> I think that's pretty intense. It is. It is a little intense. Um, cause here's the thing. There's two, there's two, uh, there's two responses, right? Yes and no. And I think the guy who's not would be like, oh my gosh, you have to ask that. I think the guy who's not addicted to pornography would understand why you have to. Yes. And a guy who's recovering and he's like, he's no longer addicted would be like, yeah, I totally understand that. I also wouldn't want to date me if I had been struggling with pornography. And then someone who you would definitely be able to tell if someone does and then tries to lie about it. Yeah. You could tell. Yeah. I like that approach. Do it. Ask, think, ask honestly, every guy on the first date, are you addicted to pornography? And, and maybe the first date is not the best move, but... No, first date, best but move. But, like, at least soon, like, in the first month, <laughs> like, you, you got to know what's what's going on so that the very least... Because if you're, yeah. if you're committed to working towards marriage together, you got to know... You got to be open and vulnerable about these things. I understand that it's, like, difficult and it's challenging and there's no set timeline for everybody. Like it's different for everyone based on lots of different factors. And so it's really hard to just say universally, everybody should talk about this by this time. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody it, should be emotionally mature by the time they're 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I mean, I think, I think it's a little bit of both of like, I don't understand how these women dated these guys for so long. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then just all of a sudden we're like, Oh, they're, they're terrible. It's like, well, maybe there's something else going on. Cause if yeah. I talk to my girlfriend, I guess my fiance now, uh, every single day and I have talked to her every single day for a year mm-hmm. and we talk about a lot of things and I just feel like I would know if there was something wrong. Like I would know if there was something up and she would know if there was something up with me because she asked me questions and she cares about my life and she cares about my spirituality. Um, so I don't know. I think good questions are, just asking things that are important and not waiting and not just assuming that because someone is hot and Catholic that they're great for you. Yeah, that's fair. It's, I think we can let our emotions get a bit too carried away when we don't use our rationality and think like, okay, um, 80% of dudes are addicted to porn, you know, or whatever that is. Um, because of that, a lot of guys have low self-esteem and can't get jobs or or hold down a job so like you just have to be aware of that like aware of that this is real Mm -hmm. and like just because this guy is great and he's so sweet to you doesn't mean that he's exempt from (laughs) from these these problems (laughs) from these problems yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that 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 that, that's really tough i mean i I hope now the that your friend judith can recognize the signs of someone who's addicted to pornography uh generally the way they discuss the way they talk about things the way they are willing to push your boundaries etc etc because in porn there are no boundaries so you're just less used to people having boundaries um yeah when it comes to a guy who's just lying saying that he wants kids i mean i can see an emotionally stunted 25 year old saying uh, never mind i don't want kids anymore you know like yeah and then just kind of freaking out and running away um i can see that I don't, I don't, I, but he says he did not, she said he did not want to have children at all. Mm. So yeah, that, that's not something you can just say. Cause that, um, 
that annuls your marriage. You can't get married. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one of the three things. You only have to promise three things when you get married. And that's one yeah. of them. That's one of them. To be open to life and willing to raise your kids Catholic. And you got to have and to hold and to yeah. receive and to give. Sickness and in health. With all that giving and receiving and having and sharing. That's from friends. That's the only French joke that I've ever thought was funny. Like That's really funny. It, it was really funny. That's uh, the yeah, you're right. That's totally it's it's funny because it's so banal. Yes. That like it's it epitomizes like that advice is the friends of marriage advice. It's, yes. Thank you. That's good. It's so funny. <laughs> um I don't I hope this is helpful. It's hard to come at this from like a, a good angle because yeah. it's like you I can't make good men appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um and you can't force bad men to become good. And so like it's really up to God, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could tell you something otherwise. That we've we've given advice to other people. It's like okay, think become about a nun. What? Maybe that's the new join the Knights of Columbus. Yeah, become, become a, a nun. nun. Well, it's it's we've talked to other people, and it's like all right, if think about where you're living. Are you living in a place where there's going to be a, an abundance of young Catholics who want to get married? If mm-hmm. the answer is no, and you think your vocation is marriage maybe consider moving to Steubenville, Ohio. (laughs) And if the answer is like, no, I can't move because of X, Y, and Z evaluate your life and think about where God has placed you, the circumstances he placed you in and think about, okay, is marriage the the thing that I should be pursuing? uh, And am I pursuing it with, with everything that I have? Because we should want to pursue our vocation with everything that we have, because it's going to be the way that God makes us a saint. So I think we just need to think more critically about, I, I just, I recognize that it's probably difficult when you're not a focused missionary to find young, attractive women like, or a life team missionary or a missionary of any kind. If you're, if you're getting into your later twenties, it's like, okay, where are all these people? Where do they, where yeah. are they come from? Where do they go? Um, my, my diocesan young adult group sucks. Like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and I don't think there's any right answers. I think we just need to be a bit more critical and a bit more aware that the attack on the family is the most real attack that's happening right now. And so you mm-hmm. need to make the most drastic measures to make sure that you have a good family if that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and so and look out for my new book, the rule of brotherhood coming soon. Hey. So I just, I just want, I won't abide by, uh, I won't abide by men or women just sitting here and saying, why aren't there more good men or women? You got to go and find them. Catholicmatch.com slash the crunch. We don't have an affiliate code, but <laughs> Hey, that's all. I think, that, I think that's good advice. And I think uh, I think her, her main question was not about there are no good Catholic guys. It was how can how you pain proof your next relationship? You can't. That's yeah, impossible. Yeah, you can't do that. That's, that's, uh, that's, um, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I have not pain proofed my marriage. So uh, Phoebe and I cause each other pain sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was actually, we got into a fight recently. I know that's crazy. Hey, hey, don't, don't, and, don't bring um, that up. Happiness only on the podcast, please. Yeah. Uh, she was very visibly upset. I immediately apologized and she said, don't do that. And I said, what? She was like, you're just apologizing because I'm sad. You need to apologize because you're sorry. And I'm like, I just don't want to see you hurt. And she was like, sometimes we hurt each other. That's Okay. But like we need to we need to reconcile right, and I was like I married a saint first off yes um second off <laughs> second of all um 
you're right. You know, it's like, we're going to hurt each other. That's going to happen. We can't, we don't actively seek it out. We can't try to do it. Right. But it's like, that's kind of what Christ meant. That's kind of what Proverbs means when it says iron sharpens iron. Uh, iron sharpens iron, but I'm sure it doesn't feel good when iron is sharpening things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a sword and iron. It's not comfortable. It's not like pillows sharpen pillows. You know, <clears throat> pillows fluff up pillows. You know, it's not supposed to be cushy. But yeah, like the, the that's that's the thing with these failed relationships, quote unquote failed relationships. These women still learned something. Mm-hmm from them you know like Mm. even though the hurt was so deep that it needed to end the relationship you know it was still worthwhile so just you can't you can't pain proof your relationship to the point where you're like oh i know i shouldn't get into this relationship because i'm gonna feel pain you would never date anyone um you can just discern the next thing the next thing the next thing the next thing and so if god is calling you to date someone he might god called that woman to date that man knowing he had a porn addiction I mean, at yeah. least a little bit because she yeah. did it, you yeah. know, like it happened. It happened. And so, like, at least that that must have been part of his plan. You know, um, we're not supposed to know God's will. I heard a really great, a really great point. I think it might have been Archbishop Sheehan talked about we can't know the depths of God's will. Like, imagine a imagine a uh, imagine a dinosaur 65 million years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the purpose of my life? You know, like what, if you look back at the dinosaurs, you're like, what is the purpose of my life? Well, we're going to get hit by a meteor. We're all going to die, but we're going to get buried under the earth. And then we're going to turn into gas, you know, like God's purposes. I'm going to, I'm going to be in a Hummer, baby. I'm going to be in a Hummer, baby. Like (laughs) that, like, obviously there's some bad things there. Right. But Mm -hmm. the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. They have powered our world for the last several centuries. And so, like, God's plans for things are often hidden, and they're so remote that we can't even fathom what they would be. And so, yeah, don't don't try and pain... Don't try and, like, 3D chess your way around God's plan. It's not going to work. Some might say that the bones of your old relationships will become the fossil fuels for your new ones. <laughs> And then in your marriage, you'll be able to burn clean energy, and, like yes. solar power. Yes. Get yourself a radiant wife who's got lots of sun energy. I don't even know what I'm talking nuclear. about. Nuclear. Nuclear powered. Something about my marriage is going to be In the Chernobyl of your last relationship. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. That's all I got. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. I got to go to class. You do have to so. go to class. Uh, Facebook.com slash group slash the crunch cast. Patreon.com slash the crunch. Support us. Patrick needs it more than I do, but I'm going to need it more than Patrick does soon. <laughs> Is that so? Got to pay for a wedding, baby. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm in that weird. So the past year of, of Ethan plugging my wedding, now we're going to plug Ethan's wedding. Yes. And his is coming up. So. Oh, it's coming. If we can find a church that will seat more than 70 people. Oof, good luck. I know. We're working on it. Dude in Florida. No rules. <laughs> there were rules in July. There were rules in July. Jeez. We almost right. had to cut people from the guest list. Imagine getting cut from a wedding roster. like <laughs> Sent back down to the G League. Um, oh, man. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Only that with great power All right. comes great responsibility. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week. Did you do that because I made our Uncle Ben's rice reference in the middle of the podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, Of course. Of course. I thought it was funny.